Welcome to another episode of Paul Don Power, Power System Design's podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Paul, and today I've got John Barr. He's with uh, Fujitsu, and uh, we're going to talk about the uh, issue of, uh, of the enterprise and servers and the massive amount of uh, power required, uh, well, literally everywhere. Isn't that right, John? Welcome to the show. Well, thanks. I'm very pleased to be here today. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. Oh, the pleasure is ours. As I was saying, the issue of just the energy required so that people can play in a world of tanks, it, it, it's um, amazing. You know, the communications infrastructure, the server infrastructure, all of that takes insane amounts of power. Yeah, in fact, I've seen some data from Digital Power Group that says that the entire IT ecosystem consumes about 10% of the world's electricity generation. That's about 1,500 terawatts uh, per hour per year. That's, that's, a, that's a remarkable amount, especially when you consider by the time it gets down to the chip level, uh, there's an order of magnitude or several orders of magnitude in energy waste in between uh, point A and point B. Yeah, that's a, that, in fact, that's one of the biggest problems we have is getting the utilization rates up so that uh, we're, in fact, using that power more efficiently. It's really putting a strain on data centers these days. Data centers are probably 3% of the uh, consume 3% of the world's electricity generation, and uh, the average utilization rates are only in the 6 to 12% range. So there's a lot of wasted power consumption out there, and the more we can do to make uh, power consumption efficient in the data center can reduce the load on the, on the power grid. Agreed, agreed, John. What are some of the other challenges that you're seeing there? Well, uh, the, the main thing is you know, try to deal with the power consumption requirements as we add more and more power to uh, the chipsets that we offer. You know, we're consolidating more compute cores per chip and more sockets uh, per rack unit. So as we make our computing power more dense, that consumes more power per uh, square foot of data center space. It uh, increases the cooling requirements. It uh, really makes it a challenge to run uh, an efficient data center. And in fact, that's driving a lot of the data centers um, to upgrade. I think IDC says in the next two years, 25% of all large and mid-sized uh, businesses will have significant power and cooling problems, and that'll force them to use uh, less than their, their total physical capacity just because of the, the limitations in power and cooling. Mm. Well, and, and that's a big problem because obviously there are places where there is um, surplus, but as we get closer and closer to that point, especially in, in places where there's high competition, I can see in, say, New York running out of uh, data storage and server space within a convenient distance. Soon you'll be you know, going to server farms in Alaska. To well, get that's just it. And that, in fact, that's exactly what the industry is doing. Um, as you see real estate costs going up and the amount of square footage that uh, is going into supporting um, the technology that the companies need to, to be competitive in the marketplace, they're moving more and more into consolidated data centers. They're consolidating workloads on, on faster servers. Uh, they're trying to scale out. And they're taking advantage of this move toward the cloud that has uh, you know, the big service providers buying warehouse-scale facilities and deploying hyperscale computing. Um, in fact, we think that uh, those hyperscale data centers will house over 50% of the raw compute capacity and 70% of the raw storage capacity uh, in the next uh, couple of years. And that's based on you know, the efficiencies that you can, uh, uh, can achieve by going to uh, 
that kind of scale. Well, I imagine then that you've got, well, the company you have gotten, um, got some strategy and uh, products and services targeting that space. Yeah, very much so. I mean, this is a big issue for our system designers. You know, they're always cramming more and more power into each box, and they're trying to make it possible for customers to deploy these things more effectively, uh, not only from a performance standpoint, but also from a cost of ownership standpoint. So we've incorporated a lot of key features into our products that uh, help address some of these issues. For example, uh, just providing flexibility on activating the individual cores that are inside of a system, we call that core activation, can allow a customer to tailor uh, what they buy initially to the workload that they have, but still leave room for growth. So in the future, uh, if they do have a greater workload or if their uh, workload is cyclical where they see peaks uh, you know, in seasonal demand, they can add more core uh, uh, capacity to their existing hardware without changing any anything physically and uh, add performance and the ability to handle more transactions, business transactions uh, in, in the, with their existing systems. Uh, the reason that's important is with the activation of the fewer cores at the beginning, they can save hundreds of thousands of dollars in licensing fees because typically software is licensed by core. And so having mm-hmm. that flexibility gives them the uh, capacity to grow their their workload on the same hardware without any additional investment, but save on software uh, when they don't need that capacity um, in the, in the short term. Well, you know, and that makes a lot of sense. And they say you learn something every day. I always learn something during these podcasts. Usually, several things, but um, <clears throat> that whole aspect of saving money just because you're using fewer cores is uh, really eye-opening when you think about efficiency is truly a cascading effect with ripple effects that go far beyond just the simple energy savings and uh, software load. Right. And the other thing is we beyond core activation, which is really an inbox scaling feature, we also offer an architecture with this product that allows you to grow by just adding additional boxes um, connected via a fast uh, network that allows the, the bigger combination of, of system building blocks to act as a single system. And so uh, even beyond the capacity of a single box, you can add additional boxes and grow as, as the workload needs to uh, grow. So customers have additional flexibility with our systems that they uh, might not get uh, with other approaches where, they, where a vendor might require the customer to buy a, a huge system to start with, even though they're not using all its capacity. So we can really help drive up the utilization rate and address some of the issues that they, they have in, in, in making data centers more efficient. There you go. Well, and then the other horrible monster in the room when it comes to data sensors, thermal ma- data centers involves thermal management. Um, when you think about, there are companies who literally their entire business model is just making hot and cold aisle racks to help these centers function, that just the infrastructure for thermal is in, is in and of itself a business is kind of um, impressive. Yeah, they're very tightly coupled, and uh, so cooling is another area where we've really invested some engineering effort and come up with something that's fairly unique. We have something we call liquid loop cooling, which is a, a closed system. It doesn't have any external plumbing that's attached, but it does have an internal uh, loop that, uh, with, with some very small pumps that circulate liquid between the top of the CPUs, which are typically the warmest part of the, the system, uh, out to a radiator, which is then air-cooled, and that provides very, very efficient cooling inside of our box, which reduces the fan speeds required, it reduces the power consumption required for those fans to, to, to circulate the air, 
and it also provides a much uh, tighter integration of the components on the motherboard so we can get much better uh, application performance. So there are a lot of benefits to going to liquid loop cooling. Uh, companies that have implemented liquid uh, cooling in the past typically have external plumbing, which brings water into the data center, which brings you know a lot of concerns uh, as far as the electricity goes when you have um, water in the same same environment. So uh, our our system offers some pretty significant advantage of, advantages over other uh, solutions out there. Well, that's excellent, uh, especially when you think about that whole aspect of liquids, especially uh, potentially conductive liquids in and around electronic equipment. It just makes me cringe anyway. And I, I've known people who have uh, done um, liquid cooling. Ironically, one of the first examples of liquid cooling, I should say ironically, I should say interestingly, I was with Gallagher, the comedian. We're walking through a trade show at the Javits. I just happened to bump into him. And, we want, and it turns out the man is insanely technically interesting and interested and uh, we spent the whole day talking about how these people are overclocking and using liquid cooling in their uh, personal computers and um, the fact that an enterprise is actually willing to take that kind of a risky technology and put it in shows either number one the desperation on the cooling side or number two how advanced cooling systems have gotten well, yes and no. I think liquid cooling was, uh, or water cooling was used in, in mainframe technology, but there were a lot of risks with doing that just because it was r- running a liquid into, into uh, an environment that also had a lot of cabling and wires and electricity flowing through it and, and was a recipe for disaster. I think with the uh, advent of, of air-cooled systems over the last few years, you've seen almost all the technology go to that. I think liquid loop cooling is coming back into vogue with the uh, density of uh, the power these days and it's really liquid is so much more efficient heat conductor, but then that reintroduces the risks that uh, we had back in the mainframe days. I think this system really can address or alleviate some of that concern on the part of uh, data center managers that they're getting efficient cooling without uh, risking their their, uh, data center operations. Excellent. So uh, what are are some of the product families that manifest these technologies? So we have our own uh, Spark technology that uh, we've implemented uh, that – is, is uh, instantiated in our uh, Spark M10 servers, and uh, they, they basically start with a, a one-rack unit, a very compact system, and then we also have a building block that we can grow to very large configurations, multi-million dollar uh, mainframe replacements. Uh, we have a customer that recently bought uh, two of the, the mid-range systems, the M10-4s, and they were able to consolidate um, a number of servers onto uh, just these two servers. In fact, there were five different uh, databases that they they were running. And by consolidating those on uh, virtual machines on top of just one of these systems and then having also having a, a backup for high availability and, and disaster recovery, they were able to uh, improve their, reduce their space requirements by um, over uh, 5x and were able to um, achieve much better uh, power consumption and, and much better performance on their application. So they're they're extremely happy with the uh, with the improvements that they saw by migrating to the new technology. Very nice. Now, um, how much hand-holding is required at all, and what kind of hand-holding do you provide your customers? Well, one of the things Fujitsu is known for is the customer service that we provide. We have a, a full range of services all the way from, you know, the field engineers and, and, and installers that can provide uh, hardware support to people that do uh, more of the uh, application-level services, consulting services, up through uh, business-level consulting. 
And then we also provide an infrastructure services organization that can do the cloud computing to either manage the data center for a customer or host the data, host the customer's assets in our own data center. So we have quite a variety of services we can offer uh, along with the hardware. Really, any, any level that uh, a customer needs, depending on their expertise and their willingness to take on those tasks versus to hire somebody to do those for them. Oh, excellent. Um, there, as far as that goes in the, the products, what about uh, things like layout, infrastructure planning and such? Do you assist with that? Uh, yes, we do. We have uh, the ability to come in uh, when a customer is interested in purchasing hardware and do a site survey and help them determine what the requirements would be uh, for power, for networking, for floor placement, uh, cooling, uh, to help them optimize the deployment in their data center. So we can, we can take care of all those tasks for them and help advise them uh, the best approach to take. Excellent. So um, what I'd like to do is, well, first off, we could talk, when it comes to data center, we could talk forever. There's so many, a lot about it. But um, what I always like to do with my podcasts uh, before I close them out, because unfortunately we do have to come to a close, uh, but I always give my guests the opportunity to have the last word on my podcast so it could be a little bit more about uh, your products or about the market space or just a tip for our audience. But for now, the floor is yours, John. Okay, thanks. Well, I have one more comment I'd like to make. I think Fujitsu has been spending a lot of its um, uh, focus on delivering more human-centric uh, computing and uh, trying to provide innovation in sustainability uh, in addressing some of the world's environmental and societal challenges. And uh, we have a long-term sustainability vision that we've implemented that um, results in systems like we have with the Fujitsu M10. So we have a great consolidation platform that can consolidate the workloads that are currently deployed on a large number of servers, so it reduces the, the um, environmental impact, the, the power and cooling requirements. Uh, we also have a lot of features built into our systems that support those mission-critical business applications. So, you know, I talked about the, the customer that had uh, consolidated workloads on it. You know, they're, they're, they're a national power grid manager, and they're their application is mission critical. They can't afford downtime, and they're able to run on our platform with the right uh, redundancy and features to make sure that they can provide the uh, uptime and services that are required to run their business. And as a result of that, you know, we've seen a number of awards. Uh, Fujitsu has received a number of awards for its uh, sustainability and its green technology. So we have a lot of innovative features that are attractive to companies in the energy space, and uh, we can help customers save money uh, not only on uh, computing, but also on energy, too. So uh, with the features that we have in this new product, I think we're uh, able to really have an impact in the marketplace with our, uh, with our uh, efficiency and uh, high, um, high levels of performance. Well, excellent. Well, hey, John, thank you so much. I'm really glad to have had you here on the show because especially when it comes to things like data centers and the uh, infrastructure of the cloud, we tend to forget about those problems. I mean, and of course, our audience, being electronic design engineers within the power community, face the issues all the time. So it's always good to listen to it from a little bit higher level and uh, someone talking about it from your perspective. Great. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. The pleasure is mine. And I'd like to thank everybody out there in the audience for taking the time to be with us. We wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Paul Tom Power.